I, you need more... to get into like some of the um uh, the throat singing. Oh. The who <laughs> You guys are making a podcast. for this so welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me ian harris and me graham jones and before we before we dive into the, the the intro proper i have a few comments and by few comments i mean one comment on last week's episode so this week the dear evan hansen trailer came out which I know the musical, but the film appears to be the story of a 30-year-old man finding high school quite difficult. <laughs> but because of that trailer, after we'd recorded a podcast, I found out that the songs from La La Land and the songs from The Greatest Showman are written by the same person. Benj Pasek and Justin Paul. From my side, I blame the fact I did very little research on La La Land because I found it boring, and I'm assuming you were too seething about how big a prick Barnum was to uh, check on your side. Basically that, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that could have been an extra ten minutes of interesting conversation, but the time has passed. The time, they are locked in. We are not changing them. They are locked, they are locked, in, locked in, we're done, but just thanks to uh, Evan Hansen. Yeah. appreciate you. Dear Evan Hansen, thanks. Yours, yours faithfully. <laughs> the podcast nobody asked for. With me, Ian Harris. <laughs> and me, Graham Jones. And also, Bowie, who's not making too much noise today. Before we jump in proper, so we've, I feel oh. like we've got, we've gone up the, we're on the top of the diving board. We're, we're adjusting our speedos. So we, we're, we're not... cli- climbing, climbing up the ladder talking about Dear Evan Hansen yeah. and how we miss shit. And now yeah, we're at the top just, of the diving board. You were just leaning over. I was behind you. And it was, I mean, it was a sight. <laughs> well, I had and... been working out. <laughs> at the top and before we do dive into to the the pool of podcasting we i think maybe we've made it as a podcast in we we received our first uh swag between uh recording the last episode and this episode so i just wanted to give a shout out to cult collages on instagram who sent us some awesome prints of i, I believe the term is horror movie shit Horror movie shit. Horror movie collages of like cult classics. There's Midsummer. There's Eraserhead. There's The Lighthouse, which is my personal favorite. Yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome art. Go check them out. I think most people who like the shit that we talk about on the two will, will get a kick out of that art. So um, yeah, give them a follow on Instagram. Cool. So we ready to we're ready to dive into the sultry water of pod. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh. Is that su- sultry or salty? Uh, open of, water diving mix of with me ian harris <laughs> yeah okay so yeah. this week so we just had the eurovision song contest so it was held last saturday well coming saturday but this is this is being released next week right yeah thanks to the magic of seamless editing we now know that the winner was not the uk yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um because the winner was italy with the song Zitti Buani. And that's great. Good for them. We always knew it was going to be Italy. Great. So, because of that, we've obviously been thinking a lot about music. So we've decided to talk about our top three songs by fictional bands. 
Yep. We 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 set out some rules because it's. I was about to quote Big Lebowski, but if people don't know Big Lebowski. Me randomly coming out with this isn't Vietnam. There are rules. Would have seemed really weird. So <laughs> we do have some rules. Otherwise, it is anarchy. So it has to be an original song for the movie or show. So it can't be a cover that's being performed in it. Yep. And it also has to be performed in the movie or show by a band or singer. So it's not a musical number. Or a like a playing in the background whilst you're whilst you're seeing a, a scene breakdown, right? It is a, a performance. Yeah. Before we dive into movie choices, as we often do, we are going off on a tangent. So what's the best gigs you've been to? Kind of had a th- feeling that you might ask this question Ian. So I was thinking about it um today and first of all Thinking about it made me very sad because I've not been to a gig since the 29th of February 2019. Not that I'm counting. One of my favourite gigs, legitimately, is the last gig I went to before lockdown. Nice. Which was? Uh, Lindemann. Nice. At the Kentish Town Forum. It's... I can't... So, Lindemann is the side project of the lead singer of Ramstein. I bought tickets because I needed to go. I then got an email a couple of weeks later saying, Oh, by the way... This gig is now an 18 certificate. <laughs> so you knew it was going to be good. Everyone in the band was wearing white. They all had kind of like white powdered makeup on. On the background, they had a giant TV screen that was basically just showing pornography in places timed to the music. Themed to each song. So it was kind of like... Um, so well, one of I mean, was... you, don't, you don't want to have non-themed pornography. Yeah, right? that's, just, that's just weird. So like during the Praise of Bort, they had a load of pigs in the um, music video. So on the background, they had pigs running along the thing. Okay. That's um, not and... where I thought that was going when you no. said the title of the song. Yeah, yeah. And then, obviously, during a song, they fired fish into the audience. So they had a fish cannon and were shooting huge bits of fish, like whole fish, into the crowd. Because why not? It yeah, was that's, fucking amazing. <laughs> that's that's one way to drop the bass. Oh, well, luckily we had a decent perch from where we were. <laughs> Lovely. So, <laughs> I've not been to any um, fish flinging gigs, but I've got a few on my list. Um, so, the Holy Shits. Who are the Holy Shits, I hear you ask? Well, the Foo Fighters played a gig under a secret <sighs> band name. Uh, Ian is rolling his eyes because I've told him this uh, <laughs> this this story probably every time I've met up with Ian or spoken to him or texted. Graham him. will occasionally text me just to tell me this. <laughs> Out of nowhere, late at night usually, I'll get yeah. a message saying, Did I ever tell you I saw the Foo Fighters at a town hall? <laughs> so the Foo Fighters were playing under the name The Holy Shits. It was obviously the Foo Fighters. They played Foo Fighters songs, but they played the Islington Town Hall, which is basically the size of a school hall. Foo Fighters Stadium Rock in a school hall when Brian May's upstairs is just the thing of things dreams are made of. I saw Charge Gambino at the O2 late 2019, I think uh, it was. He was phenomenal, like just incredible. I saw Gallows at the Notting Hill Arts Centre, which is tiny and there were circle pits around the bar and it was amazing. Them Crooked Vultures were musically the most tight band i've ever seen live like they were flawless i think yeah i, I saw them i saw them brixton headline yeah headliner show and then 
No, I saw them Hammersmith, I think. Oh, really? I think I'm pretty sure I saw them at Brixton. But yeah, just... Like, I don't think... I, they're, they're not my favourite band. I like their songs a lot, but they were just, like... It was a, it was a masterclass in playing they'd, instruments. They'd released an hour's worth of material and did a two-hour yeah. set. <laughs> and then also I saw Tenacious D at Brixton as well, and that was a lot of fun. It was the... Um, I forget the name of the album, but it's the one with the massive... Oh, the Phoenix. Is it Rise of the Phoenix? When yes. the Phoenix is a is a big penis and they yes. had a big inflatable penis on stage at the end, um, as you do. So yeah. And also down- download in 2019 just as a festival was, was awesome too. Ah, uh, festivals. Yeah. I, d- I don't know if my back would take a festival. I mean, download 2019 was... I, I've shown you the, the videos before and maybe we'll, we'll stick one on Instagram, but... The um the mud was ridiculous. Mm. It was rivers of mud. Yeah. So I so Linderman are on my list. So I saw Let Live at the Electric Ballroom. Is that the Fever three three three? Yes. So Let Live were a band I discovered because Kerrang had a random thing about best frontman. Right. And the lead singer of Let Live they said was the best. And I was like, Well, this is absolute bullshit. Looked into it and it turns out, oh, he is. So he's amazing, yeah. Yeah, so he was basically, he, he never, it, it was like he never missed a word or never missed a note, but he was sprinting around the stage the whole time and like doing flips and diving into the crowd. At one point, he threw a bongo, a pair of bongos into the crowd and then dove in to get them back. Yeah, that was weird, but it was the, the, the energy in, I've been to, uh, I, I believe the term is a metric fuck ton. So I've been to a metric fuck ton of gigs, but only a few where every single person was moving. Yeah, yeah. And Let Live is one of them. Hilltop Hoods is the other. Oh, I've gutted I missed that. I think I was out of the country at the time. So Hilltop Hoods are an Australian hip-hop band. And it's like every Australian in London turns up to their gig. <laughs> and you can't... Every person from the front of the gig to the back, or I've seen them twice now, I think, everyone is jumping up and down and dancing. It's crazy, and everyone's trash. To be to be fair, listening to Hilltop Hoods at home on my own, I'm I'm typically oh. jumping up and down and dancing because they're just so much fun. And then speaking of dancing, Future Islands at Brixton Academy is one of the best gigs I've been to. They're an American synth pop band with one of the weirdest frontmen ever, who looks like Frankenstein from Penny Dreadful, and I'm fairly sure he's my spirit animal. He <laughs> he makes weird noises down a microphone. Wears really loud, strange shirts and just dances like a dad. I could take that. Uh, ACDC at Technically Download mm-hmm. was a, a level of loudness I had not experienced before. Uh, Clutch are always amazing live. Clutch are very good live. Very, very good live. Yeah. And then, like you said, just kind of from sheer musical ability, it's them Crooked Vultures live were crazy. And I saw Zappa play Zappa. Mm. Which was, I, d- I still don't fully understand how a band like that works. Like, I've never seen someone shred a xylophone before. Technically, <laughs> I believe, a glockenspiel, but fucking hell. Ah, uh, Protest the Hero, I'm just going to keep listing bands. Protest the Hero, Public Service Broadcasting. I haven't seen Ghost. I really want to see Ghost. I really want to see Ghost. I feel like Ghost would be, an ex- it's not just a gig, it's an experience. Yeah, I, I think that's... um. Uh, no, there's no way to phrase this without sounding wanky. Uh, I prefer gigs in smaller venues or gigs that are experiences. 
Oh, I miss the underworld. If you like, I miss if you, gigs. If, if you like small venues, you would have loved seeing the Holy Shits. Uh, they played Islington Academy Hall. Really, and they were actually the Foo Fighters. Oh. <laughs> so, first of all, fuck you. Um, <laughs> I didn't see the Foo Fighters do a secret set. I saw a lot of people thinking they were about to see the Foo Fighters. Was this at Reading? Set. Yeah, so at Reading one year, you had the FFers, yeah. who are an actual <laughs> Scottish band? I think so, yeah. I think. Playing like the BBC introduce, introducing stage. Which and, is um, tiny. Well, at least the last time I went to Reading, it was tiny and it was kind of like literally on a corner of mm. a yeah. bit and you can't get thousands of people around it. No, it was so funny. The FF has really leaned into it as well. So they replaced their logo, I think, on probably MySpace at that time with the, uh, they made the FFs out of the Foo Fighters logo. Yeah. That's like, nice. I saw Biffy on that stage, though. Oh, well. Biff- Biffy, actually, another band yeah. of. They I, did, I like It is an acoustic version of Killing in the Name of. Awesome. I like Biffy recorded, but I never truly appreciated Biffy till I saw them live. They are very, very good live. There's a couple of bands like that, I think, where. Even Welcome like, to even, our music podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but even like Future Islands, the the studio albums don't fully translate what the live band is. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish I could... Again, that... Lind, Lindemann for me was... Yeah. Usually, you don't realise you've been to the greatest gig you've ever been to until afterwards. Mm-hmm. But me and, um, me and my friend, who did all the pirate research for me, we're just standing there, and I think ten minutes in, I think I led to him. Was like, "This is the best gig I've ever been to." And he was like, "It is. This is like just, I, just to to make sure somebody else was aware." Ah, oh, fuck me! But future, future Islands, I went to by myself. It was one, one of my first uh, solo gig experiences, and I would recommend it to people. People seem very off put about going to the cinema or gigs by themselves. It's funny that you mentioned that today, and we'll come on to that later. Yeah. I had, at, at Downloads, I, I went around and watched so many bands on my own, and it was, um, yeah, it's weird. It's, kind of, it's quite liberating, and you just end up making friends with the random people that you're squashed yeah. up next to, and it's just a lot of fun. But it, it, it's when the choice is between not doing something or doing it by yourself, like, just... That's why loads of people masturbate. Just... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And that brings me nicely. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, very true. It's why a lot of people masturbate and a lot of people interrail. <laughs> Sometimes at the same time. Sometimes. Anyway. Anyway. That that brings us on nicely to. Is there anything about real life bands you wanna you wanna talk about? Or are you you good to move away from music for a while? I think we should. I I had my I did have my list of all of the bands I love, but I think we covered a lot of it in best gigs. And um, yeah, let's let's. Um... I, know, I I've I think I've touched on most of mine. Favorite bands: Bowie, obviously. Protest the Hero, Every Time I Die, Coheed and Canberra. Any generic pop punk band: Frank Zappa, Devon Townsend Project, Future Island, Public Service Broadcasting are a fucking yeah. amazing band. They take samples of like 1930s public service broadcasting stuff and put it to live music. Ghost, who are a band fronted by a guy dressed as the anti-pope, basically. And Brannigan's Law, the band I was in like fucking 10 years ago that I am still clinging to as relevant. (laughs) Nice. Okay, well, if we're going through, then Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, Enter Shikari, 
Foo Fighters. Be Your Own Pet. I loved Be Your Own Pet. Oh, God, yes. F- funny story about Be Your Own Pet. I So I saw them. They only had two albums. I saw them at the Scala when they were touring their second album. And my uh, girlfriend at the time didn't want me to go to it because she thought I fancied the lead singer. Did you? I mean, she's quite hot, but that wasn't the reason I was going. Oh, you know who is a good female-fronted band? Have you heard of Blood Command? Yes, very, very good. Fucking amazing. I was wanted to go see... It was Rolo Tomasi supported by Blood Command. Nice. Rolo Tomasi. At, at the Scarlet. Nuts, like. They're fucking amazing. But <laughs> um, uh, unfortunately, I couldn't go. Um, why couldn't idols. I go? Oh, yes. Granddad died. Carry on. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> idols, who I, I still haven't seen yet. Cannot wait to see them. Hopefully, gigs happen this year. A little bit left field, but Flight of the Concords. I just. I, lo- I love a bit of yeah, comedic yeah. music, and they're just great. And then we spoke about him earlier, but yeah, Charles Gambino is Donald Glover is the one of the most obscenely talented men on the planet, and it it makes me uh, I'm I'm in I'm in equal amounts of awe and jealousy. He is the most talented person I know that I still regularly get confused whether I'm calling him by the right name. <laughs> Every single time I say Donald Glover, I think shit. Was it Danny? <laughs> but. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm adding Fightstar to my list because if it wasn't for Fightstar, I wouldn't have been in bands. I wouldn't necessarily even be friends with the people that I'm friends with now. Um, and if you think it's just the guy from Busted, it's it is right, but I don't appreciate your tone. No, I think I think Fightstar are fantastic. I saw them play a gig at Shepherd's Bush Empire on Halloween, and they all dressed up like skeletons, and it was loads of fun. Nice. I've seen them I probably ten times. Very very good, very good live band. Um, his um his solo album that he toured. Yeah, he's just he's released a new solo album recently. Okay, yeah, I'll get on that. Oh, Charlie and your glorious eyebrows. Anyway, <laughs> movie recommendations nobody asked for. So yes, I was going to go for something like the Blues Brothers because the Blues Brothers, by our rules, are ruled out of this episode because they do covers. Um, but everybody knows that film, so I thought. No, everyone's seen it. We don't need to recommend it. It's fine. I then thought maybe something like Anvil, so the documentary about the metal band, which is really yeah. good. 24-hour party people, so I could fit in an anecdote about my dad saying I'm named after Ian Curtis, when obviously I'm not. But instead, I'm going for a film that nobody really seems to know exists. The main reason I'm recommending this film is I'm hoping somebody replies, oh, I've watched that. It's great. Because it got to the point where I thought I was making it up. So... My movie recommendation nobody asked for is 1998's Still Crazy. Blank expressions everywhere. Yep. So Still Crazy is, um, so it's about a 1970s band called Strange Fruit who reunite after 20 years after a bitter breakup. It's a British film, which obviously means Bill Nye is in it. So he plays the singer. Uh, Billy Connolly's in it as a roadie. Jimmy Nail's in it. Timothy oh, Spall fuck. plays the drummer. I know, I know the film yeah. you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. Like, it, it, it is... It's a brilliant film to put on when you just kind of want to sit and enjoy something. It's an emotional palate cleanser, if you will. It's about a band that's got some great songs in it. Nearly made my top three today. Um, and because it didn't, I'm demoting it to movie recommendation nobody asked for. But I strongly recommend it. And I, yeah, I've seen it loads of times growing up. I don't know why. I think maybe we had it on video or something. But whenever I tried to talk to someone about it, I just got the, huh? Yeah, I know exactly what you, I know the film you mean. And I think I've seen bits of it. I haven't seen it all the way through. And I can distinctly picture the, the like, well, 
I would say DVD cover, but it would have been VHS cover probably at the time. Classic. If you don't want to watch a film about a, a British bitter breakup of a band, there's a lot of alliteration there, what would you suggest in its place? So my music taste can best be described as either antisocial, what the fuck are you listening to, Ian, or just screaming. And a film that is great for just kind of emotionally screaming is Ari Aster's Midsummer. So it's a horror movie set in Sweden about a cult. And funny you mentioned Breakup because it's about a couple that very obviously should have broken up. Um, strongly recommend it. Incredible performance by Florence Pugh, which she should have got an Oscar nomination before. Wonder if we've talked about that before. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Midsummer. Watch Midsummer. You should really watch Midsummer. Midsummer. <laughs> There's also, um, I, we, I think we've spoken about it before on the podcast, but we, we have our shared playlist and I put the, as we've spoken about before, the wailing sex song from um, Midsummer uh, yes. is on there. And every now and then when I've got the playlist on random, it comes on and it's just like, what, what, sorry? And then, ah, Wait- oh, Midsummer. Wailing sex song sounds like a sea shanty. <laughs> I'm hunting yeah. whales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Graham and I, so... Back when our friendship was entirely gig-based, we have a shared Spotify playlist, which we put songs in we think the other person would like. And there are some weird-as-fuck songs on there. So like you said, I'll I'll be listening along, everything will be great, and then um, a song from Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared will come on. And everything will get really weird. It is currently, as, as of today, the 19th of May, 2021... Um, our playlist is 228 hours and 37 minutes long. Nice. There will be a playlist of some of the bands we've mentioned today and our choices as well. It'll be in the episode notes, which I'm sure everybody looks at. All the time. Anyway, so I believe it's time to uh, limber up for the fictional mosh pit of our first fictional song by a fictional band. Yep, I'm down the front. I'm hanging onto the railing and the lights have just dimmed. Um, so this is too perfect and this is genuinely I didn't go looking for this this was the first t-shirt I found (laughs) fuck off (laughs) so peek behind the curtain Graham was too hot in his hoodie so he went off and come back wearing a fucking the holy shits t-shirt Graham who who were the holy shits again have I not told you so um, back in actually I can have a look I think it was 2014 um, the Foo Fighters played a secret gig under the pseudonym of the holy shits at Islington Academy Hall. Brian May was upstairs. <sighs> anyway, your first choice. Anyway, my first choice. So I was... There's a there's a lot to choose from. There's a lot of good, like, bands. There's a lot... Well, there's a lot of, like, music-focused films, which are obviously one of the first places M- music Music-focused sounds like a vinyl store. <laughs> Please carry on. Do you remember Our Price? Our Price? Our Price. <laughs> it, was a, it was a... There was a music shop called Our Price. Wait, are you saying our or ow? <laughs> our, as in oh, mine and yours. That makes more sense. I thought you were saying Al Price as if that was some guy's <laughs> name I should know. Yeah, Al, Al Price. Al Price? He used he to used... sell vinyls at the back of his Mini Cooper. <laughs> just just around the back of Woolworths. Um, no, our Price. It was like, <laughs> it was the, you had MVC and then you the, had The answer Price. is still no. <laughs> <laughs> it was where... This is going to alienate anyone that's not from round by us, but it's what CD Warehouse, it was, our price was where 
CD Warehouse then. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> completely useless information. Should we start again? Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> so I was looking at films that yeah are very focused on songs and, and music, and then also just generally where there are performances that are maybe not central, but I was looking through and came across one that I think this song out of, well, maybe not all of the ones I've picked, but certainly um, this is one of the the ones that to me, like this would be, this would go on our playlist. Like this is a song that is just like, it's, it's great. This is, regardless of the movie connection, it's something I would listen to. And that song is Black Sheep by The Clash of Demonhead, which is in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Great band name. Great band name. Yeah. It's well, and not even the best band name in the film, because I think Sex Bomb is, is really, really good. Really strong. <laughs> Yeah, Sex Bob is good, isn't it? We are Sex Bob. So, so cr- 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 correct me if I'm wrong, as I'm sure you will. Yep, that's what I spend a lot of my time doing. Yeah, just it's Clash at Demonhead. No, it's the Clash at Demonhead. The Clash at Demonhead. So However, the... if we're going to get really wanky in the manga, they are Clash at Demonhead, but in the film, they are the Clash at Demonhead because it's a play on the Clash. Oh, yeah, nice. And Clash at Demonhead was a NES game from 1989. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. So, if I am right, the Clash at Demonhead's bassist or guitarist is Superman. Um, is bass... a Superman. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah. the bassist is one of the evil exes. I, I remember there being an awful lot of superheroes, actors who have played superheroes in the Clash at Demonhead. Obviously, the lead singer of the Clash at Demonhead. Yep. But yeah, couldn't remember if that was the one uh, Brandon Roth was in. Continue. Yeah. The the Clash of Demonhead are like the um. They're the band who Scott Pilgrim is. So Scott was with the lead singer of Clash of Demonhead. That's his. That's his ex girlfriend. They they pop up throughout the film, and at the end they go to the the, the gig. And yeah, they it's it's just really great. Like I'd want I want to be at this gig. I'd say they've kind of got. Um, if I was to compare them to anyone, it's kind of like the pretty reckless kind of vibes. Who ha- have a movie link? To be fair, yep. Oh, pretty reckless are great. Sort of a download one year. They are very good. Um, oh, I did not need to see Cindy Lou Who's nipples. I was, I was just about to say the same thing. It's, um, oh. yeah, it, when you when you think about it, it's it's kind of weird. So the 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 song for the film was written and performed by a band called Metric, but in the film, Brie Larson, who plays Envy Adams as as the um, as the lead singer, does do all of the vocals for it, and she's a hell of a hell of a front woman in it. Like, like you, you could tell me that in that, like Brie Larson is a front woman of a rock band. I'd be like, yeah, completely. I get it. Well, she is a marvel. Nice, nice. Because she was Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there any room for much more? That's really all the Brie Larson films I know. Something about unicorns. Continue. But yeah, like, and in the film, obviously, as I mentioned, Sex Bomb are great, and on the name alone, I really love them. But I don't think any of their stuff compares to Black Sheep. Like, Black Sheep really is a it's a it's a great song. It's kind of proper, as I say, pretty reckless vibes. It's kind of like a I don't know. What would you say? It's like if you were to stick it in a genre. Hmm. I don't know. It, it, I I think it's it's just all encompassing rock, isn't it? Yeah, I would say so. Like maybe with like because it, it's not it's not like pop punky enough to be. It's got a poppy bit to it, but it's definitely it's too guitar driven to be. Yeah, just pure pop. Pop rock? Yeah, I guess pop, so. Pop, pop core. Pop rocks. Power pop. Power pop. That's okay. a thing. Power, power pop, but more on the rock side. 
power pop rock rock power uh, we, we're just making up genres at this point yep anyway and as yeah as it's gate all over again <laughs> <laughs> as i mentioned yeah clash of demon head they were named after a um so clash at demon head was a nintendo platform game from from 1989 yeah it's just, it's just a really great song it's as i say i want to be at the gig it definitely holds up on, on its own outside of the context of the movie i would listen to it and also they so obviously scott pilgrim versus the world i'm sure most people have seen it but it's scott pilgrim falls in love with ramona flowers but if he's going to be with her he has to go and defeat all of her evil exes and uh, one of her evil exes is in the band and i would say this is probably the best defeat of a of one of the evil exes in the movie and (laughs) the reason why and I don't know if you recall exactly how he takes them down. I, I do, because I remember who takes them down, because he's on my people who played superheroes but are in this movie list. <laughs> so Scott Pilgrim doesn't do it on his own. Um, he has the help of the vegan police. So he tricks Todd into drinking a coffee that has half and half milk in it. Um, and then the vegan police drive through a wall. They aim their de-veganizing ray at him, which is green light that comes out of their index finger. And then they name all of his other offences. So he ate gelato, chicken parmesan, which he, he claims he thought were vegan. And then they fire the ray. They strip him of his vegan powers. And then uh, Scott Pilgrim headbutts him and defeats him. And then yeah, you kind of see a shot of the vegan police going away, high-fiving enthusiastically back to their car. So the, the Punisher beats Superman while Captain Marvel watches. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I was looking through... Um, like. So, do you, first of all, do you know who wrote all of the Sex Bob-omb music? Uh, I don't know. I was Beck. Sorry, yes, I do because there's yeah. a there's a bit in it with because uh, Beck uh, when they're going through the CDs in the in the record store, there's um there's a reference to Beck. Yeah, yeah. So Beck wrote all of that, all of the just the Sex Bob-omb stuff. But I I forgot how great some of the the songs from this are. We are Sex Bob-omb, Garbage Trucks, really fun. Um, the DJ battle is it like a DJ battle? Mm. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. I love this movie. Yeah, because it, yeah, and they have the big, like, Space Invaders oh. things coming up. It's such a good film. I, it gets a lot of flack, I think, maybe because a lot of people, like, because it's so stylized and stuff. I think that put a few people off, but I love it. I remember reading a great thing about it is the target audience of Scott Pilgrim are the people who would download the film for free. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think it made as much money as arguably it should have. So it, I, I think it was a proper victim of torrenting. Yeah. One thing I think could have been improved, though, is so the character of Gideon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jason Schwartzman. Um, I think it would have been better if he was played by his cousin. Okay. Uh, so uh, do you know who Jason Schwartzman's cousin is? Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> feel like I feel Nic- Nicolas Cage would just kind of like overpower everything else is Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. So yeah, so Jason Schwartzman is Francis Ford Coppola's niece. Not niece, nephew. Right. Yeah. I I I but I think Nicolas Cage would suit it. I might say that for every choice we say today. I'm okay, like yeah. I'm I'm alright with adding Nicolas Cage to anything. I think we've 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 agreed on that. Nicolas Cage is the bear in Midsummer. Done. <laughs> but yeah, just a great song. It's it's a song that holds up on its own and I would I'd like to be at the gig just looks like a lot of well plus because if you're at the gig you'd get to see the vegan police which would be hilarious in person you sound like a starting act so <laughs> the clash at demon head supported by the vegan police the vegan police is just sting eating a lettuce on stage 
for three out. Tantric yeah. lettuce. Tantric lettuce. Sitting there, like, drawing out a lettuce for four hours. <laughs> then all he says is, do you remember I was in Dune? And then he fucks off. <laughs> okay, so my, my first choice then. Okay, so, because if anything I am on brand, I've decided to take the time of year into consideration. That gave me two very good songs I could have chosen. Is it going to be... Uh, it's May, right, at the time of... So it's, it's May, yeah. NSYNC? Yeah, it's going to be May. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. That was... That was that was very funny. <laughs> that, was, that was so funny, I didn't laugh. I was just amazed that you made such a weirdly out-of-the-blue and niche NSYNC joke. I mean... What can I say? Bravo, sir. But no, so obviously, because we are around the time of Eurovision, I'm going to go for a Eurovision-style song. So the honourable mention here has to go to Father Ted. My lovely horse from the Eurovision episode of Father Ted is pure fucking genius. It's, there, there was a long-running conspiracy theory that, so in the 90s, Ireland won something like four out of five Eurovision competitions. Okay. They won three in a row, and there was a conspiracy that Ireland couldn't afford to host it anymore. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? Like, it's ridiculous. Like, if you win, you have money. to host. Yeah. If you win, you have to host it the following year. Yeah. So in the episode, they pick Father Ted's My Lovely Horse because it's a shit song. <laughs> but it was written by the guy from The Divine Comedy. Okay. And it's, yeah, it's just, uh, it is just great. I know all the words. It's beautiful. But instead of My Lovely Horse, and his fetlocks that are blowing in the wind, um, that I want to shower with sugar lumps and ride him over fences. I'm instead going for Russia's own Alexander Lemptov's entry into the Eurovision Song Contest from 2020's Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. So I am, of course, going for the song I've already mentioned before on this podcast, Lion of Love. I strongly believe Line of Love is the best song ever written. <laughs> so, in in real life, it was written by Saving Kotcher and Rami, Rami Jakob. So Kotcher's written music for Ariana Grande, Katy Perry, The Weeknd, Usher, Britney Spears, Demi Lovato. Uh, Jakob has produced uh, songs by the Backstreet Boys, Westlife, Pink, Celine Dion, NSYNC, and Weezer. Nice. So one of those is not like the others. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was always more... Uh, I, I, I've got a lot more of a working knowledge of Boyzone. I can't really make any jokes about Westlife. Apart from Uptown Girl, and that's Billy Joel. What did Westlife... What did Westlife do? So that's, that's kind of... <laughs> just, just, just pause, yeah. But what, what have any of us done? So <laughs> uh, Alexander Lemtov is played by Dan Stevens. It's... A brilliant role that pretty much steals the majority of the uh, the film. I mentioned this to my girlfriend that I was picking this song, and she first of all demanded to know why, because <laughs> as mentioned on our Oscar episode, Eurovision was nominated for Best Original Song, and it was not for Line of Love. It was for Husevik, the song yeah. at the end, which um, is still a great song, but Line of Love, Love for me captures exactly what Eurovision is. I was going to talk a bit about what I love about Eurovision and why I think it's so brilliant. But I found an interview with Dan Stevens who phrases it a lot better than I would. So Dan Stevens said, it's much more than just a song contest, really. 
It's such an extraordinary pattern of both musical talent and glitz and glamour. It's a real championing haven for LGBTQ. Um, there's often a country that will come with a protest element or some kind of statement with an underlying political context. And then there's always a ridiculous element as well. Some countries will submit something that's really off the charts. There's nothing like it. And that's what I love about Eurovision. Is It's just it's a complete mix of people actively trying to say something and make the world better and people just having fun yeah my my favorite thing about eurovision was uh will always be lordy when finland uh, put that mm. forward because that was fantastic so i have i have a couple of eurovision acts um that we'll go through later which are just but the eurovision film i, I think a lot of people were put off by it because they thought it was just going to be a parody of eurovision and i don't that, that was my assumption yeah. to be fair but I don't think Eurovision is something you can parody because it is so close to parody itself. Yep. It's kind of like what they're saying with you would struggle with political satire now. Because politics is so weird, it's difficult to take the piss out of it. I think Eurovision is similar. That a parody of Eurovision would be so close to what Eurovision is anyway that it would just be insulting and laughing at Eurovision for no real purpose. Well, can you imagine trying to do... Like, obviously in the UK, we... I think it's Graham Norton that does it now, but for yeah. years we had Terry Wogan's commentary, which yeah. was just the driest, most sarcastic comment. But you couldn't do a parody of a, of someone commentating yeah. on, on yeah, exactly. Eurovision because Terry, but like, how can you go more Terry Wogan than Terry yeah. Wogan? Yeah, or like, oh, you know what would be really funny? Uh, let's have a random metal band turn up. Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, we'll have a we'll have a guy turn up dressed as a mirror ball just speaking gibberish it's like it, it's you can't do it but what the eurovision film was was a perfect love letter to eurovision and everything it is because it turns out will ferrell loves the eurovision song contest so his wife is swedish so obviously she loves the eurovision song contest um and introduced it to him in like the 90s and he's been a fan ever since it's just great i mean as a metal fan i'm always going to highlight so the last Eurovision Song Contest would have been 2019 because it was cancelled last year. Hungary flat out entered a metal co- like a post-hardcore band called AWS. Amazon Web Services. Yeah, Amazon Web Services. Who would have thought? <laughs> I can't pronounce the name of the song. It's like Vizlatnyaya or something. But it is it's legitimately an incredible post-hardcore song. If you didn't know it as Eurovision, you wouldn't have known. So last year we were robbed off of, you know oh, who... I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Russia's entry last year was supposed to be the band Little Big. Yeah, Little Big, I I can't think of a term strong enough for them. L- Little Big need to be seen to be believed, and I don't advocate stopping listening to the podcast. But just go right now, go to YouTube, search Little Big. Let's what what we start with Skibbity maybe. Uh, Skibbity maybe F- F- Faradenzas. A good actually no no so um, listen to Uno. Listen to Uno. So Uno by Little Big was going to be their Eurovision song. They're funny because they're Mm self-aware. All their songs are written to be catchy. And the videos are insane. So I, yeah, so I had similar with Little Big as I had with De Antwerd Mm. in that I think I started listening to them, not necessarily ironically, but because I found it funny. Yeah. It was like, these songs are really funny. And now I listen to them because it's like, you know what? These songs are great. <laughs> these songs, oh, these songs are amazing, and I'm not being told otherwise. Obviously, you have ABBA, so ABBA pretty much ruled the Eurovision Song Contest last year. 
we were also robbed off of so Dio Freya, who was a six foot ten Icelandic guy, um, whose song "Think About Things" went completely vi- uh, viral. I think friend of the podcast Tony did a cover of it. Nice. Lithuania once entered a song called "We Are the Winners of Eurovision," <laughs> and they finished sixth. Which can you imagine the bollocks on that? <laughs> to yeah. write a song called uh, for American listeners, that means testicles. Yeah, entering a, a contest called "We Are the Winners." Uh, play guys 2014 poland entered a song that featured uh somebody in like national dress but with loads of cleavage and featured backing singers um seductively using a washboard and somebody else sexually remember that somebody (laughs) sexily churning butter i mean i don't know about you ian but i've never seen someone churn butter and it hasn't been sexual And that's that's more of a comment on you, I think. Um, <laughs> Ukraine had the famous dancing Lasha Tumbai, which is the uh, the drag queen dressed all in silver. There's a lot of Ein Spy going on. Yeah, I think it featured in Spy. Have you seen Spy? Underrated film. I haven't. Melissa McCarthy and Jason Statham really loved it. Watched it with my granddad. Didn't realise there was an uncut version of the film. We watched the uncut version of the film. Prominently featured an erect penis. So. Uh, <laughs> That's fun. I spy. <laughs> so, uh, and then you also have like just flat out brilliant songs like Euphoria by Lorene from 2012. It's just a flat out brilliant pop song. Oh, and uh, Conchita Verst. We can't do Eurovision without mentioning Conchita Verst. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, yeah, I was just about to say. Yeah. It, was it um, Armenia? Am I right? Uh, Austria, Armenia? I think. Austria. Okay. Austria. Um, had a song called Rise Out of Phoenix. Uh, you would recognize her if you see her. Massive beard. Yeah. Russia came second with a group of nans who sung in front of a rotating oven, but I really don't like the smiley Norwegian cunt with the violin. Who, yeah, I, I don't know why. I really don't like him. I also didn't mean to say cunt. Then. <laughs> that just Are you clearly that just, that, feel very strongly about it. That just slipped out. I just don't like his face. You, you know when someone like when someone's smiling but their eyes aren't smiling. Yeah, 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 and it just gives the look of like I've killed at least twenty people. Not that I'm not that I'm implying the Norwegian guy with the violin is a serial killer, but you know it wouldn't surprise me. And to go deeper into the niche we're carving, 2013's "Song for Estonia" featured the band Winnie Pooh. Oh my god! Winnie Pooh are so they had was it upside down the drummer spinning? I think so. Yeah, they had two drummers both spinning around. They were all dressed as kind of like they were in wrestling. Like, would you call them leotards? Like wrestling yeah, singlets like or onesies, singlets, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, with like Teen Wolf makeup and prosthetics, making noises. And I remember seeing this and talking to you about it. And it took me like half an hour to find the song because I just had to keep searching like Eurovision hairy two drums. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Line of Love would like seamlessly fit in with any of those songs like if if i made a a eurovision playlist and just slipped line of love in you wouldn't bat an eyelid when it came up no it's one of the catchiest songs i know i learned it on guitar today because of course i did it's dan stevens it's lions what what more could you want from a song maybe tigers and bears oh my you just need lions lions and lions oh my don't know why i went george to decay on that one yeah, three lines. On a shirt. Well, they are the Lions of Love. Anyway, um, 
Moving on from a joke that's not making the cut, what's your next choice? <laughs> so, um, my next choice, completely unintentionally, so the, the first song I chose was called Black Sheep, um, and now I'm going for Black Eyes. Um, which ah, is you, a... at le- you at least could have gone alphabetical, you piece of shit. <laughs> which is a song by the fantastically named Jackson Maine um, from A Star Is Born. Um, uh, you, you know what as Maine's? Go on. Lions. A lion. <laughs> this movie is full of really great songs. So obviously Shallows was the really big hit um, and got a lot of radio play even outside of the, the context of the movie. Uh, I'll Always Remember Us This Way is just a, a fantastic song. Did it, did it have multiple songs nominated at the Oscars that year? I think it may well have done it. it I know, I know, it, won, I know it, it Shallows won. Right? Shallows won, yeah. But I couldn't remember if it had another one nominated as well. I, I've got a feeling it might have done, and I was very close to choosing um, I'll Never Love Again because, I don't know, I, you haven't seen the film, right? I, I have not. I've, I haven't seen any of the four of Star Wars. Any of the four, sorry. But, so I am actually, I'm talking about the, the most recent one in 2018. But there's a bit in, so they play I'll Never Love Again at the end, and it's, Spoiler alert! Is it much of a spoiler? Spoiler alert! Skip forward a couple of minutes. I mean, to to be to to be fair, it's the end of the film that came out in like nineteen thirty seven. True. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. So he 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 dies, and Lady Gaga's character um, Ali is is playing this song, "I'll Never Love Again," and there's a bit earlier in the film where they're playing the song together, and she's singing the song, and she's doing it, and it's amazing, and Lady Gaga's voice is phenomenal and it gets to the last one of the last lines where she's singing it and then in the film it cuts just to bradley cooper singing it and every single time it just punches me in the gut because it's just like oh my god he's not around anymore and you're alone and it's so sad i miss bradley Um, cooper so much (laughs) i really do miss bradley cooper uh it was only nominated for one oscar for best original it was only nominated for one original song Okay, we're getting it confused with La La Land. Ah, <laughs> but despite as uh, and I could gush about all of the songs in this film for a very long time, but for me the opening number Black Eyes is just immense. So it's proper like loud stadium rock. Um, when you watch the film, the opening notes from it come over, and they're all kind of like play through distortion pedals and stuff, and you see the it's you hear it before you see any of the film so like you have the live nation logo come up and then the camera's sort of coming in and out of focus and it's showing brad bradley cooper playing to like these thousands of screaming fans which i'm fairly sure was at coachella and then it's just this punch in the face of like a proper classic rock number it's proper pearl jam isn't it yeah it's it's amazing so you listen to this for the first time today right I, like a lot of people, the only song I'd really heard from A Star Is Born was Shallow, mm. which is a great song. Like, for, for, for what it's worth, Shallow is a fucking amazing song. So um, If you showed me this one, yeah, I would have asked you who the band was, not what film it's from. Yeah, like, exactly, I, I, right? I would not have put those two together. Yeah, it's so... It's just... It's phenomenal. I love it so much. Um, and it's such a good opening number to the movie and like you say it's again it absolutely holds up on its own um, and it really was it was bradley cooper he sang it he played guitar he played piano for the movie and he went from not having that musical experience to 
being able to do that in the space of about six months, albeit taking lessons five days a week. So, but, which is a thing that I always found find funny. Like you talk, like so many people talk about, you know, oh, this actor learned to play this or they lost all this weight or they beefed up. And it's like, yeah, it is impressive in a short space of time, but they're being paid to do, like that's their nine to five. I love like, you. I love you so much. <laughs> that, that really rolls people. Oh, he lost a lot of weight. It's like, how much was he getting paid for the film? Yeah, yeah. But that, with... Also, if that was my nine, even yeah. if I wasn't getting paid, if my nine to five was like, I wake up, I don't have any other responsibilities. My responsibility is just to someone's going to cook for me, and I go to the gym with a personal trainer. Yeah, I, I will well, be in the best shape of my life. That's why I've got a lot of time for Rob McElhenney. Yeah, yeah, because he literally said yeah, that. Yeah, and right? Kumal um, Nanjiani, who is in Silicon Valley, and he's going to be in Eternals. So he sitcom star again sitcom star becomes shredded for a marvel project yeah both of them have come out and basically said like yeah it was completely unsustainable i wouldn't have have done it myself the only reason it was done was because the studio hired nutritionists personal chefs personal trainers i didn't have to think about work at all apart from this it's like yeah like don't don't get me wrong i i know it's it's a chore and it's difficult but it's still impressive but it's not like oh my god do you know what I would do for half that money? Because I don't want to think about it. <laughs> it, it wouldn't have to be Henry Cavill and Dan Stevens. Right? <laughs> Preferably. <laughs> Preferably, but not essential if it was half the money. Oh, God, yeah, let's not talk about that. That's going to get depressing quickly. <laughs> so he also has a really good backing band during this. And the band are Lucas Nelson and Promise of the Real. So Lucas Nelson... Just so happens to be Willie Nelson's son. Oh, shit. And he was the lead musical consultant on the movie. He did a lot of the uh, guitar training with Bradley Cooper. They were Neil Young's backing band. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. And yeah, just, I just think it's, it's just such a great song. And the, yeah, musically, like it's impressive. I think I, think I might be right in saying as well that the, a lot of the music within the movie was actually written between Bradley Cooper uh lucas nelson and lady gaga like it was it was a obviously a collaborative thing but like he uh, fair play to bradley cooper like this is his directorial debut as well uh, it's just a great film and i warned you about this earlier ian but i'm gonna get you know before you get for want yeah. of a better word touchy-feely um <laughs> black eyes was written by cooper and lucas nelson yeah there you go so I warned you about this earlier, and it actually nicely ties into what you said earlier as well about going to see Future Islands alone. So Star, a Star is Born is the first film I ever went to at the cinema on my own. And it was at a time in my life where I guess I was coming to the end of a relationship, a relationship that was a marriage. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> so you, you phrased that so... It, it's like you put another barrier up between you talking about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So my my long term girlfriend. When I say girlfriend, <laughs> but um, when when something like that is coming to an end, you kind of know it's coming to an end, right? So I went to see this film on my own, mainly because my now ex wife didn't want to see it, and it was a case of going. It's similar to what you said, right? It's a it's a case of either not doing something or doing something and you should pick doing something if you want to do it why not um you know and so i remember going to see this film and it the experience of seeing it seeing a film on my own seeing an amazing film on my own 
I think will stick with me forever because it was just like it, it was and this sounds incredibly incredibly wanky it was the kind of thing where I was like oh I'm doing this on my own and I'm having a really good time and actually if things are like this for the future then I'm going to be all right and it kind of speaks to me at the level of like how much like how you can get lost in cinema and films and how they can be really like certain films for for whatever reason can be really important to you or whoever so yeah that's that's just another kind of part to this has no bearing on where this lands in our top three i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pull on your heartstrings to say we should include this but that was that was a very nice and touching story but it does feel like emotional blackmail (laughs) and I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm still here. I, I want to make this about me, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, and also kind of links into last week with what we were saying with like movies that we don't like and stuff. Like, if if people like films because of a certain reason and like it it goes, I think maybe there's an added element of this for this film because there's all of the music. There's also you know it it, it touches on on uh, relationships ending. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's it, this this film has, has stuck with. It. I've watched it a lot. I watched it yesterday because I, I I went into this watching the opening number, which is which is Black Eyes for for a bit of research, um, and then before I knew it, I was nearly two hours into the movie because it's just it's just great. But anyway, that's uh, the the wanky touchy feely stuff out of the way um which is not a great phrase but um yeah this is this is a movie that is full of amazing amazing songs but this opening number just it just does it for me it's and there's there's a lot of times that people talk about have talked about in the context of the film that the the music in this film is kind of like another character in it and i don't know that I necessarily agree so, with that. Me but... making a noise like I'm agreeing with you and I haven't seen the film. Yes, no, I, <laughs> I felt that too. <laughs> another character. I has. don't know if I necessarily agree that it's another character, but I think it's so important in the context of telling the story. And it's may- maybe more like a, a setting or a prop, as it were. Yeah, on, on a rewatch, again, this just, it it perfectly sets the scene for what's about to happen throughout the, throughout the course of the movie. Have you seen the people it could have starred? I haven't, no. So there are some interesting ones. So I, I'm going to... So there's a list of guys who were queued up and a list of women who were queued up. Mm-hmm. They weren't necessarily paired up like I'm about to, but right. I, I'm just going to mention... You're going to take cr- creative license. Yeah. So uh, Christian Bell and Jennifer L- uh, Lopez. Interesting. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Rihanna. <laughs> uh, okay. Tom Cruise and Shakira. Tom Cruise could not play that role. No, well he he did um, Rock of Ages, and he could not yes. sing. No, Johnny Depp and Selena Gomez. I could see Johnny Depp doing it, and I've seen Johnny Depp play live with Hollywood Vampires, yeah. and he is actually a, a decent guitarist. So who could be very good is do you know uh, Janelle Monet? I do not know. Uh, so she is an incredible singer who's also a brilliant actress. She could have been paired up with Will Smith. You had to, you had to like. Kill the vibe, didn't you? I had to, I had to kill the vibe because you know he vibe, kill the vibe, um, because you know he would have rapped. Oh, he yeah, absolutely, he would have rapped, and the rap would have been a star is born, like it would have just been on the nose. Yeah, his character would have survived. Yeah, that's. A, I feel like that's the kind of thing he would do. Apart from, 
And this is the obvious tangent to make here. Have you yep. watched Seven Pounds? Uh, no, because I make a point of not watching anything Will Smith. Is Seven doing, Pounds. I'm, I'm, I'm going to spoil it for people here because you shouldn't watch it. It's fucking infuriating. So he, um, it's something like he is involved in a car crash that kills people mm. and he's depressed, but he wants to make a difference and he's guilty. And at the end of the film, he kills himself. Right. And his, he, his organs get donated to people and it saves lives. Way, but he kills himself by stinging himself with a jellyfish. What? But that would invalidate your organs. You can't. You can't die from poisoning. No. And then still think your body's going to be donated to like organ transplant lists. That's not how that works. Fuck him and fuck jellyfish. They're weird. Sorry, I feel very strongly about that film. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Oh um, God! Sorry. Ah, oh. the floodgates have opened. I haven't thought about that film in a long time. But yeah, I, I I thought because the film was called Seven Pounds, and you're talking about how he was really like having all this guilt. I thought his his way to kind of deal with it is that he donated a total of seven pounds to a road crash charity. But yeah. No. So texting texting while driving, he killed a van with um he killed a van. Killed kill- later from cars. Yeah. Yeah. He felt so bad, he had his body dedicated to make a wheel. Um, but no, he killed a van full of people, so he killed seven people, which is the, the seven pounds. It's a, it's a Merchant of Venice thing. But yeah, so f- straight from Wikipedia. Tim allows himself to be stung to death by the jellyfish. There's, there's better ways to, to, to do things. And if any, if any doctors listen to this podcast, why? Yeah. You're better than this. But also, don't correct me, <laughs> also you gotta find it like i don't think jellyfish are the easiest things to find so like he, i've he he keeps it he he keep he has a pet box jellyfish no he does no one has a pet box jellyfish this guy does <laughs> oh i hate will smith so much he stays in a, um, he stays in a motel that lets him have a pet box jellyfish this is absurd anyway sorry what were we on it's black black was it the clash at demon head right <laughs> we went from black sheet to black eyes but yeah, I will regularly listen to Star is Born soundtrack and because this is the opening number, it gets turned all the way up because this is the kind of like, it's proper like face melting stadium rock um, and then end up listening to the whole of the rest of the, the soundtrack at the same level. It's got the proper, so we used to call it, again, in the band I was in 10 years ago that I still cling to, um, it's got the stadium chord. Yeah. Like, you know, like the, the big one that rings out. Which is like the yes, the yeah. those intro notes like the the just... one the one thing that annoys me about the song is part of it reminds me of another one and I can't place it and it, it's killing me. <laughs> but yeah, Star is Born, such a good film. Highly recommend watching it. As I say, may, maybe there's a little bit more added to it because it was one of those like I don't want to say life changing movies because that sounds even more wanky, but like it it falls in that category for me. And this is an absolute banger of an opening number so um yeah that's why it's on the list okay you know what i'm going straight in next act up then is the fictional 70s hard rock gods Stillwater, who are from the film almost famous and i'm going for their song fever dog good choice firstly the music featured in almost famous is fucking amazing so the soundtrack has The Who, Yes, Rod Stewart, Leonard Skinner, Led Zeppelin, The Stooges, Black Sabbath, 
Bowie's on there, Jethro Tull. Um, there's a very iconic scene where the band sing Tiny Dancer in a coach. Mm. Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Dan, the Allman Brothers. It, it, it's a who's who of 70s rock and roll superstar. A who's who? <laughs> On my notes, I wrote a who's who brackets ha, close brackets. <laughs> <laughs> so the next section of the podcast is going to depress a lot of people and make you feel like a failure. I, I apologise. I've already gone through this today. Most days. I mean, you've all seen photos of me. So Almost Famous follows a character called William Miller. So William is a 15-year-old who gets to write for Rolling Stone, and he is a barely concealed take on the film's director, Cameron Crowe. So Cameron Crowe, he's a very, very good uh, director, so he did Fast Times at Richmond High, Mm -hmm. um, and then he obviously did Almost Famous. He was the youngest ever contributor at Rolling Stone. Um, At 15, he did a profile on the band Yes!, and at 16, he went on the road with the Allman Brothers band. So apparently Dwayne Allman is the inspiration for the lead singer of Stillwater jumping off of the roof in the movie, which Dwayne Allman apparently did. And it was mentioned in, I think, his brother's autobiography saying, yeah, Cameron must have seen this because it appeared in the film Almost Famous. Is he... Sorry, just just really quickly, like Cameron Crowe, like you say, has done all these crazy things at such a young age. Is, is Has he come from like... Like, is there privileged stock that's got him here, or is it a true like prodig- child prodigy story? So he 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 was very he was a very good journalist from a young age. He wrote for a lot of kind of like school papers, and I think he was just ballsy with who he approached. Okay, but what was good for Cameron Crowe was it's one of those names you have to say the whole thing. I went to just say Cameron, and it came out as Cameron Crowe. <laughs> so it was kind of a turning point in music, the seventies, and a lot of the more established music journalists didn't like the hard rock that was coming through. So it meant that Cameron Crowe was the one they would send to interviews with people like, I don't know, Led Zeppelin, the Eagles, Eric Clapton, Bowie, Neil Young stuff. And because he was so young and like just legitimately loved music, he's also the one that they would send to notoriously difficult musicians who hated the Rolling Stone. Because you might hate the Rolling Stone, but you're not going to hate this wide-eyed kid who just loves music and is happy to be there. So he also interviewed people like Dylan. He was in in a near-fatal plane crash with The Who, which inspired another scene in Almost Famous. He heard Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin refer to himself as a golden god, which inspires another scene in the film. The main character gets pulled into a huddle with Stillwater before going on stage. And that's inspired by the time Pearl Jam pulled Cameron Crowe into a huddle before going on at Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza? Lollapalooza. 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 And yeah, like a, a lot of it is just inspired by his time around all of these like classic rock bands. It <coughs> really feels mental. like you're. Um, it feels like you're counting Crowe's exploits. Mm. You're on a roll today, man. <laughs> that was uh, yes. Um, I can't come up with a uh, follow-up to that, unfortunately. So I'm just, just going to let that sink in. That, that, was, that was very good. Um, so Stillwater are kind of a composite of the Allman Brothers, Led Zeppelin, and kind of bits of like the Eagles in there. So the actors rehearsed for four hours a day, five days a week, um, for six weeks, so that they would seem like a real band. Mm-hmm. And the songs were written by... So Peter Frampton and Cameron Crowe's ex-wife. 
Cameron Crowe's ex-wife was Nancy Wilson, who was the guitarist and backing vocalist for rock band Heart. Fair enough. So, the songs were written by Nancy Wilson, Peter Frampton, who, at age 18, Cameron Crowe wrote the linear notes for his live album. The guitar was played on the record by the guitarist from Pearl Jam, and the song is sung by a guy called Marty Fredrickson, who's worked with Ozzy Osbourne, Aerosmith, and Motley Crue. So, basically what I'm getting to is, like, the hard rock DNA behind this fictional band and this song is just insane. Like, yeah, you, you would absolutely. <clears throat> Sorry, I've <clears throat> so I've played football for the first time in about fifteen months this evening before recording, and I don't know if you ever have this when you exert a lot of energy, um, and my voice is kind of. I know you never exert a lot of energy. Front, front row, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's really affected my voice. Uh, for some reason, so apologies for that. I I I thought it, Star was born getting to you again, or, yeah. or or just the the anger of Will Smith in a box jellyfish in a uh, motel room. <laughs> but yeah, the song is just great. It similar to kind of Black Eyes is a proper like old school stadium song. And I yeah. think just listening to it takes me back to gigs I've been to, so bands I've seen live. So like um, uh, Springsteen at Wembley, I've seen Springsteen a couple of times. It, it's quite a similar feel to that it just feels big yeah and do you know what it'd be really cool if you heard a really big song like that like somewhere like islington academy hall and it's just oh, that, the that's like it's like a town you... like it's the size of like a school hall right it's like a school hall yeah yeah god brian may upstairs yeah with uh my <laughs> my, my point earlier before i realized I, I couldn't talk properly was that as a band like if you showed people still was a band they would not think they were necessarily a fictional band oh god no and it helps that there was a band from the 70s called Stillwater. <laughs> yeah um nothing to do with this band but yeah e- even the photos like the uh, yeah if i showed you photos of the band then showed you the song it would just be why are you in my house here <laughs> um, again yeah but it, it's just it, it is proper Sunday download music. Yeah, although I saw uh, when I was at download last Sunday was tall, and I can appreciate oh, tall. So my 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 reference is ten years out of date. Then Sunday used to be the classic rock day at download. Yeah, no. So that was that's Friday now. So Def Leppard for Friday, I think. Uh, but yeah, tall, tall was Sunday. And I'll pour some sugar on me. <laughs> I can appreciate tall, but I also after being in a swamp for five days. Didn't want to listen to eight minute stoner rock songs, uh, so we left after a couple of songs. Also, pour some sugar on me always makes you think of that scene in um, in Role Models where the kid is drawing a picture of Beyonce pouring sugar on his dick, yeah. which always never fa- as as immature as Role Models is as a film. It never fails to crack me up. Well, th- there is a Role Models link actually. So in Almost Famous. The singer gets electrocuted on stage. Right. And that's because that happened to the guitarist of Kiss. Ah, Love Gun. Oh, yeah, Love Gun. And when he's t- singing Love Gun, he's actually singing about his dick. He is. But, yeah, I, I think, like, like, Fever Dog, it's just a fucking brilliant song. It makes me nostalgic for live music. It, sa- it sounds stupid, but, like, it sounds live. Yeah, like, well, I'd, I think that's, again, very similar to Black Eyes. Yeah, like, like a, a lot of hard rock stuff would have been recorded by a band all in the same room and it has a bit of a different vibe to it sometimes yeah i've also just realized that almost famous is 21 years old and that depresses me so almost famous is older 
than Cameron Crowe was when he toured with the Allman Brothers. Yeah. And what have you done? Um, I, I scored a very good equaliser this, after, this oh, evening. Oh, play, man. So, from a free kick. Lovely. I, um, I, I haven't scored in a game. I was a front row, so I shouldn't. I got man of the match once for a game I didn't necessarily hold the ball myself. I just fucked people up for uh, 80 minutes. Nice. Oh, I miss gigs and sport. They're coming back, Ian. They're, they're coming back. I mean, I miss there. sport that... So, so rugby is kind of back, but it doesn't favour someone whose skill set is based pretty much entirely around hitting and pushing. <laughs> yeah, and, and getting very close with a, another... Five, fifteen guys, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's particularly close with it. It's like sixteen. Yeah. Oh, I, I miss it. I miss it so much. Anyway, yeah. Stillwater. Stillwater are fucking amazing. I'm very jealous of uh, latter teen years Cameron Crowe. And uh, I mean, what were you? I I couldn't have been trusted interviewing bands at sixteen. <sighs> I I was barely trusted with a house key. <laughs> Yeah, what was I doing when I was sixteen? Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure what I was doing at sixteen. I sure as well. I was probably wrote, I was probably writing my very needy blog. Yeah, I I had one of those. Did um, diary. I never started with dear diary. That was a step too far for me. Nobody understands me. Me 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 me. me. Still water though. Well, I, the the only issue I have is that given the op- given the choice, I'd always go sparkling. Sparkling water sounds much so. Pop it on our bread. Yeah. <laughs> so spark- sparkling water would be like the Jefferson Starship kind of thing. <laughs> so in the eighties, still water will become sparkling water and just do like synth based disco stuff. But yeah, almost famous. Last almost famous reference. It has a huge podcast link. Do you because know we why? are? Well, obviously we're talking famous. about it, but. <laughs> Um, Mark Maron's in it. Oh, okay. And the band try and um, sneak out of this venue, basically, and Mark Maron shouts, lock the gate. Mm-hmm. And that's used in the intro of the Mark Maron podcast. Jimmy Fallon's in it as well. Will Forte tried out for that role and didn't get it, and they gave it to fucking Jimmy Fallon instead. It to be fair, you know. J- Jimmy Fallon is quite good in it because he's not very Jimmy Fallon-y. He was the worst thing in Whip It. I hated that. <laughs> I, there, there's a bit about me that just loves how much you hate it. Is he, I can't remember. Was he like Johnny Rockets or something? His name was ridiculous. The, the problem I have with Jimmy Fallon is nobody, nobody can ever find Jimmy Fallon as funny as Jimmy Fallon finds Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. And it grates on me a bit. Anyway, Stillwater, great band. I want to see them live, but I can't because they're not real and this isn't the 70s. So who's up okay. next at our fictional festival? At our fictional festival. Which, um, is, which isn't a through line we've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, but why not? Um, so we've had a, two, two, I guess, big rock numbers so far. And we're just going to slow it down a little bit. And we're going to go with a, a nice tribute song. And a tribute song to, I mean, an absolute great American hero. Just a, a shining example of of who we wish we all could be a little bit more like. And actually, funny enough, a song you mentioned earlier on in the podcast could also could be related to, to this individual, which was obviously My Lovely Horse. And that song is... He, he's not a liar. <laughs> or a dog. <laughs> that song is 5,000 Candles in the Wind by Mouse Rat from Parks and Recreation. So the song was obviously a... It was written by Andy Dwyer for 
little Sebastian. So little Sebastian unfortunately passed away. Um, it was it was a tragic loss to all of us, um, particularly those in, in Pawnee who, who knew and loved him. And the reason it was 5,000 Candles in the Wind is because Andy Dwyer said that he was going to write a song that was 5,000 times better than Candle in the Wind um, in tribute to little Sebastian. And obviously, he therefore ended up with, with 5,000 Candles in the Wind. So Mouse Rat are the only fictional band I own a band t-shirt of. Obviously, formerly known as Scarecrow Boat. <laughs> what... what, what? <laughs> Nice. You have given me so much stick for owning a fictional band t-shirt. <laughs> Mouse are great. So are Wild Stallions. I yeah. My my the the stick. I don't want to derail what you're saying. Mm. Since I've researched this, Mouse yep. Rat have officially released the song. Yeah, so you can listen to it on. Um... No 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 no. Spotify. Mouse yeah. Rat have officially released the song. Because Mouse Rat are officially releasing an album this year. Okay. <laughs> what, today? Today. So the news broke. <laughs> Earlier today, I put songs that we were going to talk about into a playlist. I had to do a cover of 5,000 Candles in the Wind. I did the exact same thing this morning. Yeah, search now. Mouse Rat is there with 5,000 Candles in the Wind. Enemy have released the uh, uh, an article this afternoon. Mouse Rat are releasing a full-length album later this year. Uh, Duke Silver is featuring on it. It is a dual-tone music group and Entertainment 720 production. <laughs> and yeah, they've released officially released... Um, Holy shit. That's incredible. That I mean, is fucking weird. We're, we're in the Matrix, Ian. That, 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 is, that is actually crazy. It's also... M- Mouse Rat have a few songs, and that is the only one that they've released today as well. Yeah. So I had um, to be fair. So it was uh, it was a cover by a guy called like it was like Alex Garcia Greger, yeah, um, which was a great cover. But yeah, so I made that playlist what six hours ago, and since then it's appeared. I've just got my finger on the pulse here. Just, I think N- I think NME are, are, are tapping into my uh, tapping into my notes um, <laughs> just just to see. What what do the people want to hear? Yeah, I've uh, I've added it to our play, uh, shared playlist. Don't worry. Nice. So yeah, Mouse Rat, formerly Scarecrow Boat, also Ninja Dick, <coughs> who have songs. So, uh, so they have two albums. Um, I don't know if these are the albums that we released, but there's the awesome album. And, yes, that's um, the album being released. Nice, Screaming Trees, um, and the Loop of Nothingness. And they have such great songs as Drunk of Her Asses, Sex is Cool, Sex in Space, obviously 5,000 Candles in the Wind, Two Birds Holding Hands, The, the Pit, which is, I think, one of the earliest ones that we, we hear in um, in Parks and Rec, Pick Your Nose, which is obviously done in the style of Johnny Karate, and my other favourite Mouse Rat song that isn't 5,000 5, Candles in the Wind, which is Sex Hair. I was going to say, Sex, sex Hair is, uh, is great. Just great. Sex Hair! Got it from me. <laughs> Just brilliant. the former band names of the Parks and Recreation wiki yeah. are incredible. There's so many. <laughs> Mosh, Mosh Smash, Newt Guinea Pig, Nothing Rhymes with Orange, Nothing Rhymes with Blorange, Pearl Jelly, God Hates Figs, <laughs> Penis Pendulum, Phil Collins' Dad, <laughs> <laughs> Razor Dick, Smash Mash, Smash Mouse, Smosh Mouth, <laughs> Tackle Shaft. <laughs> oh. Teddy bear suicide. 
I would like I I Teddy Bear Suicide sounds hundred percent sounds like a band I would end up listening to. Uh, yeah. What's your what what is the best band names? Oh, um, I would I would have to have a look I, off the top of my head. I'm not sure. Then ignore the question. I'll cut it out. Continue. So, in in the grand spirit of the podcast, nobody asked for. Uh, nobody asked for Future Ian to interject here, but Future Ian is going to interject here. So I thought I would compile a list of some of the best band names just to kind of throw at you and uh, see what sticks. So obviously we have Brannigan's Law. They're like Brannigan's Love. They're uh, they're hard and fast. Uh, Ten-year-old band, which Ian is still clinging to, both past, present and future. Uh, we also have the Tony Danza Tap Dance Extravaganza, Joy Division. We were promised jetpacks, raised by owls, Dananananananakaroid, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, Test Icicles, JFKFC, Alabama Thunderpussy, and you'll know us by the Trail of Dead, Someone Still Loves You Boris Yeltsin, Chunk, No Captain Chunk, Eskimo Cowboy, Turquoise Jeep, Super Furry Animals, The Dictator Tots, The Oakley Doakleys, who are a Ned Flanders themed metal band, Ninja Sex Party, and I do my crosswords in pen. Uh, I'm also going to th- randomly throw out Diggy Diggy Hole by Windrose because we're making a playlist of a lot of the songs we've mentioned today, and now we have to include that one. Anyway, back to ba- back to Ian and Graham, who don't really know I'm here. So yeah, Mouse Rat, they're great. One, probably one of my favourite fictional bands that like, crop up across things, as as noted by my my Mouse Rat T-shirt. And as I, I can't remember if I finished the point or not, but the reason I give you shit about the Wild Stallions t-shirt is not because you have a Wild Stallions t-shirt. It's because I would say on 80% of the times I've been out with you, you've worn said Wild Stallions t-shirt. It's a great t-shirt. <laughs> it is a great t-shirt. I'm not, I'm not denying that. Yeah. But I also own a fictional sport jersey. Yeah. Which... Um, I'm such a twat, aren't I? Well, and the other T-shirt that you wear out if you're not wearing the Wild Stallions is the Wiseos one. Yep, yep. <clears throat> but look, the the song, as I say, is all about Little Sebastian, and Little Sebastian passed away, unfortunately. The guy, the horse, the horse deserved the song that is as good as Five Thousand Candles in the Wind. And do you know why? He did a lot on his time on Earth. And you were talking about what's his face and almost famous. Cameron I forgot Crow. his name. Cameron, Cameron Crow and almost famous, and what he achieved. Well, if you thought that you hadn't achieved much listening to Cameron Crowe and his achievements as a 15-year-old, listen to, listen to the life that little Sebastian led. He entertained the troops in Kuwait. He was a goodwill ambassador for Indiana veterans. He was a champion climber. He was a member of the Great Lakes Ski Patrol and Emergency Rescue Team, serving as its captain from 1996 to 1998. He per- participated in the celebrations for Queen Elizabeth's Little Golden Jubilee, um, even marching in front of Buckingham Palace and receiving... And he also received an honorary degree from... No, well, Notre Dame, but obviously they'll say Notre Dame. So that's that's Dr. Little Sebastian to you, Ian. Don't turn your nose up at him. Really, I think the main thing we need to respect here is the goddamn lyrical genius of Mouse Rat. Um, I'll walk you through just uh, the first two verses and chorus up in horsey heaven here's the thing you trade your legs for <laughs> angels wings and once we've all said goodbye you take a running leap and you learn to fly bye bye little sebastian miss you in the saddest fashion bye bye little sebastian you're five thousand candles in the wind and though we miss you all and though we all miss you every day 
We know you are there eating heaven's hay. And that, here's the part that hurts the most. Humans cannot ride a ghost. <laughs> oh my god, I haven't. I, I had not heard that last lyric. Oh. It's just great. God, I just love it so much. Uh, uh, also, a, a shout out to another sitcom with a couple of songs that I was considering, which is Community. So I love the 101 rap in Community. Of course, yeah, yeah. Donde Esther La Biblioteca, Miyamo T Bone, Leo Ranga Discoteca again, maybe. And uh, also Brit is a B. <laughs> it's a great song as well. But yeah, I just I love Mouse Rap. Love Little Sebastian. It's it's a fitting tribute. It's a great fictional song, and you know. What what better way to remember um, a damn Bowie? Can you? I'm, I'm getting really emotional about little Sebastian here. I know, I know you're jealous of other animals. He's gone. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's a it's a great way to remember a damn good horse. And god damn it, he is five thousand candles in the wind. For the final choice, so the uh, I I won't say headliner because that would might automatically start putting assumptions in people's minds about our final top three. So, everybody loves a bard. Graham? Shakespeare? Mm. Going to get in early with the bard joke there. Uh, Chaucer in A Knight's Tale. The bards who ran away with Sir Robin and Monty Python, The Holy Grail. Welsh hooker Ken Owens is a bard. He's also massively underrated as a ball carrier outside of Wales, I think. People should really respect him for that. Bardcore music is also a thing. Have you listened to any Bardcore? I have. I forget the, I forget the band, but it's uh, Beed- talking of... Beedle um, the Bardcore? Yeah. Isn't... isn't um, I, I know you always say our friend who gave you... Like, we're just going to call him Pirate Allen from now on. He, 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 like, I remember him sending a lot of, like, Bardcore Yes, covers, he did, yes. Um, so, for, a lot, for a long time. Bardcore is medieval covers of popular modern songs. And they're fucking amazing. And it, it's it's kind of my jam. I like stupid covers. And ultimately, I have fairly large tattoos based on the earliest prose written in Britain. I really wondered where you were going with yeah. I have fairly large. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, this shit is kind of my jam. We're taking our fictional musical festival to the fantasy genre. So the fantasy genre is home of bards, it's home of some, like a fuck ton of fictional singers and bands. And Game of Thrones had some brilliant songs in, so Reigns of Castamere, Serge Chankian did a great cover of it. And didn't, wasn't it Sigur Ross that did the the actual in the the show? They did it over the credits, but they cameoed in the episode. Yeah, Uh, The Bear and the Maiden Fair. Uh, Middle Earth has uh, the Misty Mountains sung by drunk dwarfs it also has the song where the short guy sings when the mad one eats tomatoes great great piece of cinema that labyrinth obviously has some incredible songs but it veered too close to musical territory for us to include him so sorry uh jareth the goblin king on that one we obviously we also have done a very deep dive into david bowie's cod piece in that movie yes yes for for this we are traveling to the continent. The continent which is home to such characters as Yaskia the Bard and Geralt of Rivia. 
for a song which the actor who sung it described as the most annoying thing I've ever heard. It's so catchy, I've had that in my head for eight months. So we are talking <laughs> about Toss a Coin to Your Witcher from Netflix's The Witcher. It's just fucking great. It's it's an incredibly catchy song. So in the episode, it's written by a bard who's decided he's going to follow Henry Cavill around, as we all of us have decided is the best use of our time. Geralt saves him from the clutches of some elves and some goat dude. And to change the public's tune about Geralt and witches in general, because they're quite looked down on, he comes up with a catchy song that should make people a lot more aware of what they do and are more willing to pay. Basically, bards were Dem Days marketers. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's kind of like a big re- rebranding operation, yeah. isn't it? It's basically PR, but with a loot. So, you know, that's that's the kind of loot crate I can get behind. Hey. I, I hate loot crates. Just, just, just again, tangent. Fuck them. Just, just full of shite. It's not, it's not a gaming mechanic we needed. Toss a coin to your Witcher basically went viral. The Witcher came out. You had a load of covers that came out. Matt Heafy of Trivium detailed quite intensively uh, him covering it, and they released their version. You can also replace the horn in a Tesla. With the chorus of Toss a Coin to Your Witcher. I've seen some great, like, the, that's that's the one thing. I don't want to give Elon Musk any money. However, if with the option to have my horn as kind of anything, maybe I will. What would you have your horn as if you could change it to anything? Oh, uh, obviously, uh, ludicrous move, bitch, get out of the way. Nice. I would quite like the, just the sheer drama of, and before people shout, didn't say I didn't like it. Just said it shouldn't be the 13th best movie of all time. Uh, the Inception bang <laughs> sound. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. Or just like police sirens. Because then yeah. people would have to get out of the way. Or just a very polite, excuse me, <laughs> please sir, what, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, the witch is, the witch is great. Um, we haven't talked about Henry Cavill for a while. Henry Cavill's in The Witcher. He plays the, the, the titular Witcher and is... Um, is is very very good. I I stro I I got about halfway through the first season and wasn't enjoying it enough to to put the time in. I appreciate what they're trying to do, but it felt like a bit of a chore. Um, I disagree and think you should go fuck yourself. I th- I think the the one thing that they really didn't do very well was the distinction between the timelines. I liked the reveal that it was different timelines. That's like saying they didn't make it clear Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think The Witcher is in its... Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think the song is kick-ass. I have listened to this song at, at minimum weekly since the, the show came out. I've I've listened... If if you were to put back-to-back the amount of time I've listened to the song Toss Sequential Witcher, either the original or the metal version... I have listened to that collectively more than I've watched episodes of The Witcher. That's well, so have I, and I've watched it all. <laughs> um, funnily enough, I have a a cheer up playlist on Spotify. Given the shape of the world today, I listen to it an awful lot. It's called "Cheer Up, You Moody Bastard." I stand by it as one of the greatest things I've ever compiled. "Line of Love" and "Toss a Coin to Your Witcher" are on there. I would regularly listen to both just back to back. It's the obvious double bill. Yeah, and then sometimes loop back round. I'm I'm not gonna lie, Graham. Around the time this came out, 
it wasn't just those two songs. It was also uh, What a Man's Gotta Do by the Jonas Brothers. I would go from Line of Love, toss a coin to your Witcher, that, and then shuffle the playlist, and then just go back to those three. Okay. It's great songs. Versions of Toss a Coin to your Witcher were the UK single touch chart four times. It was in real life, it was written by, so the screenwriter Jenny Klein, and then the music was done by the composers of The Witcher, so Sonia Belisova and Gianna Ostinelli. And I just think it's a really fun song. I love the fantasy genre. I love the the scene where he's kind of coming out. So they he saved them from these elves and they're walking along and the bard is basically picking it up long and he ends up starting to sing one that is just shit and then bursts into Tossico into your Witcher. And there's a couple of callbacks to it in later episodes where random people will be singing it because it's gone kind of viral in world as well but perfectly fits in with the series i love that kind of music it's a great and stupidly catchy song and i haven't been able to stop it going round my brain since it came out um but yeah henry cavill he's great isn't he yeah bards i could be a bard i can't remember why i said that before but you're a bastard more uh, more things need loots i feel Bands are done now. We're in that awkward yep. stage where it, if you haven't left song before the final song to get a rush on the train, it's kind of like, oh, do we just hang around here now? Maybe grab another beer. We're sitting in the nearest pub with seats after the venue between the train station. That That's where we hypothetically are now. Yeah, yeah. Where, where bad decisions get made. Yes. Such as, when is the last train? We'll just get a cab. I doubt they're expensive. <laughs> what would your top three be? Uh, my, of, of my ones? Or are we just... Of your, of your ones. In? Of my ones. So I would go third place by Thousand Candles in the Wind. It is a lovely tribute to a wonderful horse. However, it is slightly pipped by, in second place, Black Sheep by The Clash of Demon Head, uh, which is just a awesome song. Brie Larson as a front woman. Just, I want to see more Brie Larson as a front woman. I'd actually... She seems to have the talent for it that she could kind of go and, go and do it. But... um. Yeah, she's just great in this. And then number one, Black Eyes by Jackson Maine in A Star Is Born. It is just such a freaking good song. And yeah, I can't get past that. That's fair. And the more you say it, Jackson Maine is an incredible name. <laughs> I. It's also spelt Maine like the state as well. Ah, very city in colour. Yeah. But this would be city and state. It literally is. Yeah. How about you, sir? I'm. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm very I'm I'm very torn with mine. That's um no that's Natalie and Brulier. Don't need picked up. Uh, actually, it's not Natalie and Brulier because that's a cover. It's one of those little known. It's actually a cover thing. Like nothing compares to you. I know it doesn't, but what's the cover? Who's the real prince now? I actually I actually don't know. Whenever I go to say a third, I end up immediately shifting back back up to second. So number three, I'm going to go toss a coin to your Witcher. I think it's a yeah. brilliant song. It is stupidly catchy from a great series, and I love the song. Fever Dog by Stillwater, I think, trumps it because in the film, you, you get grow a lot more attached to the band. I think you understand the band more. It reminds me a lot more of the, the gigs and the bands we've kind of not been able to go to for the last uh, year and a bit. Mm. And it, like I said, it is legitimately a great song. It's Toss a Coin to Your Witcher, if you listen to it, you would know it is from a TV series. Yeah, which is, yeah. is kind of the same with uh, 5,000 Candles in the Wind. Yeah. 
which then puts uh, Line of Love number one, because I introed Line of Love with, I think this legitimately is the best song ever made, so I can't really not have that number one. Um, <laughs> but again, because it, it, it is so perfectly in place with where that song is aiming for. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know why I love that song as much as I do. No, I don't either. But... Dan, Dan Stevens is great, but he's not even the one singing it. I just think it, it's such a fun song. <laughs> Okay, so our joint top three then. Mm. And again, this is uh, we're not saying this is the top three. This is our best songs by fictional bands. Uh, yeah. Obviously, our music taste is going to come into this quite strongly. We're okay. So what are you, what, 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 what are you saying? What are your early feelings? My early feelings, Black Eyes is up there. Fever Dog is up there. I, just, I, I also can't get past just how good Brie Larson is as a front woman. <laughs> In uh, Scott Pilgrim, they're they're the ones that are the strongest for me. I appreciate your your extreme love for Dan Stevens and his his lion. His lion of love. Those 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 are the three that uh, that stick out for but me. Thousands tried to tame him, but he roamed free. Till I saw you and you saw me. Yeah, no, I I think I think Black Eyes definitely has to be up there. It like you said, it's a fucking brilliant song. Um, it's not what I was expecting from my understanding of A Star Is Born, and that is on me. <laughs> Fever Dog, yeah, I think that, again, similar vein. Are, are we fighting off Captain Marvel versus Dan Stevens? Yeah, who is also in the in the Marvel, well, not the MCU, but in the Marvel Universe. Yes, he is, isn't he? Yeah. So we're going for Captain Marvel versus Charles Xavier's Crazy Son. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, let, let's be, uh, let's be real here. How do we tie-break that? <laughs> Not, not entirely sure. I think, uh, and you talk about um, musical taste and stuff coming into it. I the, the reason that I lean for the three that I mentioned is because that is that is my music taste. I'm not. I kind of get Eurovision, but I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it. It's okay, but it's um it's kind of not not for me necessarily. Oh, Some of it is. You're welcome to come around Saturday and get drunk and watch it. I, I may take you up on that. Yeah, that's like, and I and I get that. Like, I think Eurovision is that. It's like the it's the kind of get together, have have fun, watch a watch a show, and take it in the context of Eurovision. But if I'm going purely on like best songs that we've spoken about, without the context of like this is a Eurovision song, is why I lean towards the other three. But even outside of Eurovision, Line of Love is still the best song ever made. <laughs> That's the that's the problem. Okay, I will I will um <laughs> That's fair. I, I, I do love the Black Sheep song. That again, that entire soundtrack is full of uh well, it's incredible pieces of music. Phenomenal, isn't um, it? What what are we gonna say is number one then? Are we going black eyes or we're going fever dog? Oh. Both weirdly sound like they could support each other. They really they're, do, uh, don't they? They they are it is a <laughs> we clearly have a have a, a niche because they both sound quite similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's, there's not a lot to separate because, like you said, they are both really big, like punchy stadium rock songs. Um, yeah. I don't know. I like the one thing that I love about uh, Black Eyes is that that those opening like notes of the like it just kind of punches you in the face kind of thing. That's funny because the reason I like Fever Dog is the opening <laughs> notes really punch you in the face. <laughs> I'm uh, to be honest. I'm okay with either. Like, I, I think they're both, as you say, they're very similar. They're 
great songs. They also both have like really good musical pedigrees behind them. Like Black Eyes, as mentioned, was written by Willie Nelson's son. Yeah, who, and uh... then Peter Frampton <laughs> and Half of Heart did uh, all the Stillwater stuff. Yeah, um, and they're also both great in in actual film. Um, they're both done as live performances on stage in front of a crowd. Yeah, it's just everything I love about live music. Maybe we could get the bard back, um, and he could flip a coin for our Witcher, but not for our Witcher because it's yeah, all right, fuck it, heads or tails. It's a twenty p, which is obviously the one you flip. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, right, heads or tails. Okay, tails. Tails. Damn. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, all right. That's that's that discussion sorted. Yeah. Uh, and now we get on to Black Sheep, First Line of Love. Two animals. Um... <laughs> I, I was going to hark back to episode one where we paused and listened to the songs and then... Oh, I was thinking that, but we both listened back and come back and you'll go, oh, God, Black Sheep's a great song. Like, yeah, but Line of Love is the best song ever made. Um, it is. And I'm, I'm going to throw a curveball here, Ian. And do you remember, do you think back to last week? Uh, l- last week was movie society tells us to love, but we don't. So I'm assuming you're going to yeah. throw some kind of avatar bullshit at me. No, there's no horse fucking here. Little Sebastian <laughs> is safe. <laughs> the thing I'm going to throw at you is my unused fuck this and fuck you card. Oh, shit. And... Yes, because I used mine and lost in translation for pretty much no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to be a bastard and slip that over to you and Dan Stevens um, and knock oh. uh, Line of Love out of contention and just bask in Brie Larson's genius front womanship with Black Sheep. Well, it was my idea to bring them in. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, but we are now out of fuck this and fuck you cards. They they they're gone. They uh there's no re up on the uh <laughs> which is a weird way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we've done weirder things. Okay. <laughs> so and number three is Okay, so the podcast nobody asked for is top three songs by fictional artists. Number three we have Black Sheep by The Clash at Demon Head. Number two, we have Fever Dog by Stillwater. And number one, for the first time ever, is Black Eyes by Jackson May. The post-humorous number one, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay, so if you agreed with our choices, if you're annoyed that... uh, I'm stuck in that voice now. If you're annoyed that Graham reused his fuck you, fuck this card, yeah, so if you that that was that was fun. I'm gonna make a Spotify playlist now. If you agreed with our choices, if you disagreed with our choices, if you had better ideas, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. You can also find us on Kofi at the same name, where you can buy us a coffee, and all of that money goes to uh, promoting the podcast and just making everything bigger and better and more awesome. And just as a peek behind the curtain. It really does work. We we've we've reinvested some money and some advertising stuff, and we're we've had our best ever day today, I think, in podcast history. So thank you to yeah. everyone who has contributed. And if you want to, um, maybe I don't know, mock up a fuck you and fuck this card, or fuck this and fuck you card, and you know, post it to us on Twitter. You can do that at uh, nobody asked for pod on Twitter, and you can find us at the same address on 
Facebook. And also remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Um, it helps us in terms of kind of algorithms and recommendations and all of that stuff. Um, and in your review, put uh, any episode ideas you have. And we'll, of course, get around to doing the best ones. And if you do it after listening to this week's episode, um, I'd quite like to request reviews in the style of songs. So maybe just rejig a, a famous song and review the podcast with the lyrics. Um, maybe maybe do it in the style of the best song ever made, you know, Line of Love. <laughs> I'd quite like a, a mashup between like um, Eurovision and Napoleon Dynamite. So it's just like the Liger of Love. The Liger of Love. It works. for this I'll be the king you wanted you'll be the queen I need and on and on and on and on oh let's get together I'm a lion lover and I hunt for love on the savannah I will make you rise up to the sky above and when I rule you know you know I'm done somewhere someone tonight the Lion of Love Somewhere someone tonight will meet The Lion of Love Somewhere someone tonight will meet The Lion of Love I can't do that then Lion of Love <laughs>